Not everyone is who they claim to be. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor to add to that. With every truth, church, there's always a counterfeit. And Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. Men and women that would come with a false message. They look like sheep, he says. They sound like sheep. They even come probably smelling like sheep. Just understand this. They come to you. You don't need to go looking for false prophets. You don't need to go on a search. You don't have to go do a Google search because they'll come to you. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. I think it's safe to say we've all been fooled by someone. They portrayed themselves as one thing and turned out to be someone entirely different. And that can be really hurtful. As we'll discover today, there are also wolves in sheep's clothing that enter the church. If we're not careful, they can rip us off and hinder the work God wants to do through his church. So how do we spot them? Well, Pastor Ed will help us with that as we turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll begin at verse 13. In our last time together, we saw that Paul the Apostle with the church in Corinth is dealing with these deceivers and liars and phonies. And that's what we titled the message. There were those troubling the young congregation in the city of Corinth. Paul doesn't hold anything back in this last section. It's almost as if he's just finally said, enough is enough. You guys need to hear the truth in a very strong way. I'll draw your attention back to verse 13 in chapter 11, where we've already looked at this, so we're going to pause on these few verses in part of review and really drill down on a couple things to learn. And in verse 13, remember, he says, for such are false apostles, and then we circled that word, many of you did, deceitful workers. That word deceitful literally means to bait the hook. comes to us from uh, the fishermen and fisher ladies that would bait the hook in order to catch a fish. It speaks of luring with bait. And there was that delightful, the bait that they gave the church in Corinth was secret knowledge, secret privilege. Paul the apostle isn't a real apostle. We are because we have special knowledge that he doesn't have. And then they were picking on him personally, like, look at him. Look at his stature. Look how he looks. Look at his eyes. Look, look at, he doesn't even speak well. And Paul found himself having to respond. And one of the things that he does that I want to draw out from you, for you in this last section is, like any good pastor, any good leader, Paul the apostle protects the flock. Paul is protecting the flock from people that would like to take advantage of them. With that in mind, let's turn over to Matthew chapter 7. Because some of you are studying through with us on this last section of 2 Corinthians. You're just like, wow, this, these are some heavy words or hard things to say. And I would agree with you. The things that Paul is sharing as he is 
standing firm in his calling, standing firm in the hand of God upon his life, standing firm in the truth of the matter. As you'll see if you want to read ahead in our studies coming up in chapters 11 and 12 and even into 13, he gets stronger. He even looks at himself saying, you know, what I'm doing is foolish. I shouldn't even have to do this. Why have, why have you put me in this position to answer such, in such a way? But he does, very faithfully. And he's following along the footsteps of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Jesus is teaching here on the sermon, what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Verse 17. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Therefore, verse 20, by their fruits, you will know them. With every truth, church, there's always a counterfeit. And Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. Men and women that would come with a false message. They look like sheep, he says. They sound like sheep. They even come probably smelling like sheep. But notice, they come in verse 15. If you like to mark in your Bibles, you might want to just understand this. They come to you. You don't need to go looking for false prophets. You don't need to go on a search. You don't have to go do a Google search because they'll come to you. That's what they do, Jesus says. They'll come to you. They're not going to, when they come to you, they're not going to show you their fangs. You realize that. They're not going to come and expose themselves outright. They're not going to come to your door. Uh, hello, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. I just want to let you know that I'm your friendly neighborhood false prophet. I've got my fake Bible right here and all my fake magazines here, and I've left my bike on your front lawn, and here I am. I am the false prophet of the neighborhood, and I've come to rip you off from Jesus and steal you away and ask you to join our cult. Anybody ever have someone to their, come to their door and say that? Never. They don't reveal themselves as false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. All of that is covered up. It's very, very difficult to see it. And it's sometimes it's very, very difficult to hear it because it seems as if the same language is being used. It, it, they call it, those that look at the church from the outside, and maybe some of you on the inside, call the language of the church, you might have heard it, it's referred to as Christianese. Have you ever heard that phrase? They're referring to different words that we may use from time to time because we have a vocabulary that has been changed by the Bible. So we're not dropping F-bombs anymore. We're using things like hallelujah. And you're like, wow, that's different than the last word. I, I know, I know. It's like, it's a great Bible word. And so they're not going to come to you with, with words that are going to try to rip you or try to expose themselves. They're going to come with words that are going to rip you off. So they're going to learn the language. Hey, brother... Praise the Lord. And they'll use words that are very familiar. They come to you, but notice verse 15, inside they're corrupt. On the inside. And that's the problem. The Bible says that man looks on the outward, but God, what, knows the heart. So it's almost as if, it sounds as if by the time we finish verse 15, if we were there listening to Jesus teaching, as we're listening to him, we go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. How do I know 
They've got the, the Bible in their hand. They've got a Christian t-shirt. They know the language. How in the world can I possibly tell the difference? And I want to suggest to you a few things that Jesus lays before us that will help you and I tell the difference, at least at the simple level. A few things, that if, you like to, if you like to take notes, jot these down. Number one is watch their character. Their character. In verse 16, it says, you will know them by their fruits. And it's just like you can tell a tree by the fruit. If you saw a tree with apples hanging from the branches, you would call that an apple tree. Good. Let's try a second one. A tree with oranges hanging on the branches, you and I would call that an orange tree. It would be foolish to see branches with oranges and say, what a beautiful apple tree. No, because we know we don't need to be experts in trees. We don't know the different, you know, some people, that's all they do is study that. That's their life. They, they take care of trees and dirt and they're just, they know how, they know. They're just tree. They call, there's a word for that, right? An arborist. They're experts in trees. I'm not an expert in tree and I don't need to be an expert in tree. I just didn't need to know a few fruit and I could tell you what the tree is. I don't care what the color of the bark is or where it best grows or any of that. By the way, we were trying to find out if we could get palm trees for the property here. Did you know that? I mean, we did some serious, we did some serious research of any kind of palm tree. It doesn't matter if it looks anywhere close to a palm tree. We wanted to find it. And you know what? So far, no go. And we talked to some professional tree people. I do have an idea, though. They make really cool cell phone towers that look like palm trees. So you never know. So you don't need to be an expert on trees to tell that's a cell phone tower, right? Or to tell what kind of tree it is. And that's what Jesus says with people. You don't need to feel like you're an expert on people or that you know how to read body language or you have that intuition where you just know. You don't need that. Jesus makes it real easy. Look for the fruit of their lives. And the fruit of their lives will speak to their character, who they are. Fruit in the Bible often speaks of the lifestyle of a person. So Jesus says, watch their character, watch their lives, follow their behavior. Are they always condemning, critical, hard? Are they always pointing you away from the things of God? Do they manifest the fruit of the Spirit? Again, Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness. Do they manifest the fruit of the Spirit? Or do they manifest the fruit of the flesh, the works of the flesh? Watch their character. Secondly, in verse 18, he says, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. So there's a second, there's a second thing to look out for as you are trying to discern the, a sheep or a wolf and sheep. You don't want a sheep in wolf's clothing. That doesn't work that way. That means the wolf ate the sheep. So it's the other way around. A sheep and a wolf in sheep's clothing. <laughs> Secondly, compare their doctrine. What are they saying? What are they teaching? Because a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. But a bad tree can't bear good fruit. That's what he says in verse 18. What do they teach? Are they taking you to the whole counsel of God or just a few proof texts? 
Are they giving you the entirety of the scriptures? Are they stringing along a, a set of scriptures to make up a doctrine that they're laying before you? And they're using against you. Just because they use the right words doesn't mean that they're giving you the right teaching. Does the Bible contradict their teaching or their so-called thought process or, or does it support it? Now, I don't mean by, well, you, here's a verse and then there's another verse over here and another verse over here, so this is, supports my whole doctrine. But, like, does that, there's another thing I like to look for when people are giving um, doctrines that sound suspect. And that is, does it sound like God? Does that sound like God? Does it sound like, you know, so some, so let me give you an example of that. Uh, there was a doctrine and there's still around where uh, that authority is really elevated in the church and that authority is elevated to the point where they will lord over you. Now, not necessarily use those phrases because there's a verse that says we shouldn't lord over, so that's an easy one. But they'll use authority and they'll use titles and they'll, they'll say, well, this is what the Bible says and so I've got this title, this title, and our whole posse, we all got this title. So because we have the title and you don't have the title, but one day you might have the title, you need to follow us and do what we tell you to do and maybe one day you'll get the title too. And they'll piece together all kinds of, you know, don't touch the Lord's anointed and all kinds of different verses. But does that sound like God? I mean, you don't have to be a Bible student. To, does that sound, is that how God deals with you? I mean, did he force you to get saved? Did he just put his thumb down on you and say, if you don't get saved, you know, he, he, he leads you what? By cords of love. He sends people into your life that care for you. It doesn't even sound like God, let alone it's easily refuted through the scriptures, but it doesn't even sound like the love of God. My Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave, not that he takes my Bible says that God demonstrated his love to us that even when I didn't want it, the Bible says even while we were still yet dead in our trespasses and sin or still yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Like God gave everything for me. He didn't come and take from me. He gave, he, he, he not only gave, but then he invited me into relationship. That's just one simple example. That doesn't even sound like God. It doesn't even sound like his character. And so test them by the word of God. And if you don't fully know the word of God, then just put a pause on something that just doesn't sound right and get some counsel. I mean, just something that doesn't sound right, it just doesn't, that doesn't reflect the character of God. I just, I can't, not only does, I don't know your character too much because you just came to our doorstep or you just started working in the cubicle area here, but man, it doesn't sound like God. And you can just put a pause right there. Thirdly, verse 19, he says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And therefore, by their fruits, you'll know them. Now, I think Jesus is going one step further here and not just using fruits to re represent their character, but I think he's given us a third thing to consider, and that's this. As you are watching character and you're comparing doctrine, the third thing is to examine the people that are following them. Watch their followers. Watch the people in their path. Sometimes doctrinal differences aren't so easily detected. But then you sense something. The Holy Spirit alarm is going off. And then you begin to watch what's coming out of their followers. The people that are hanging around with them. As you're praying for discernment. Another thing to watch for is not just their followers, but the people that choose not to follow them. What happens to them? Because here's the thing. This is something that's very noticeable. When you are dealing with a wolf in sheep's clothing and they are making their way through a group of people, 
there will always be wounded, bleeding people in their path because they didn't follow them, they took advantage of them, and you'll be able to watch. They don't reflect the character of God. When Jesus went through with people, they, he didn't leave bleeding and wounded people. He healed them. He bandaged their wounds. He cared for them. So did his apostles and his followers. But for wolves in sheep's clothing, there's always damaged people behind them. And that's what's happening in the church in Corinth. There's a lot of damage going on. There is a lot of hurt and a lot of pain because after Paul's departure... People took advantage of his absence. And the sad thing is, now back in 2 Corinthians, the sad thing is, is that many in the church followed along. For whatever reason, we'll find out later in 2 Corinthians that there was still a lot of carnality going on in the church. They were susceptible. They were weak. They were in a place of great opportunity for people to take advantage of them. No, the sheep and shepherds, they're going to reflect the teaching of Jesus. They're going to reflect what Jesus said in Mark's gospel, that he came not to be served, but to serve, to be the servant of all. You're going to, be, you're going to see people that reflect, and you're going to be, we're going to be people that reflect the, the love of Jesus by our servanthood, by our love, John 13, 34, by our character, by those that we're around, those that the end result of our lives. He uses, he uses a word. It's used a couple times in the New Testament. You can just jot it down in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. He uses, well, let's go there. We're not going to spend much time in 2 Corinthians because we're just pulling out. Um, we already studied this section last time. I just wanted to pull out and focus. So go to Mark with me. Mark chapter 10, verse 43. Because there's a word here I want to draw. There's actually two words that will reflect, you know, true ministry, true servanthood. I mean, how do I know the difference? How do I know a sheep and, or a wolf in sheep's clothing? Or how do I know a true sheep? I mean, how do I know? Well, we're getting a few things to look out for. And here's what you can look for. Uh, in verse 43, he says, well, verse uh, 42. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lorded over them... But their, and their great ones exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servants. Mark that word, servants. In the Old King James, it's translated minister, and it throws people off, but it really is the word servant. It's the idea, the, the word is diakonia. It's D-I-A-K-O-N-I-A. It's where we get our English word deacon from. It's become an office within the church, but it's actually just a position. It's just something you and I do. If we're going to be deacons, it's not so much an office to hold as a position to take the place of a servant. It's the same word, you'll recall, that's used in the book of Acts when there was a problem between the widows and the early church and they needed help in distributing the material goods of the church to help the widows, they called for deacons, the same word. They looked for these men that were full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, good reputation. These are the guys that we want to help solve this problem while we dedicate, the apostles said, themselves to prayer and the study of God's word. That's the same word here. 
So if you have an old King James, you know, you don't be thrown by, well, minister, I'm not a minister. That word is taking on a meaning that I don't want you to excuse yourself from being a minister. Well, you know, I'm not a minister. Well, you know, that's, that's not entirely true. You are a minister. You are a servant in the things of God. And the difference is not the position. Well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a minister. No, that's, that's not, he's not creating a position here. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about pastors and teachers, but not here. Jesus is giving very simple teaching. He says, you guys, you know how the world does it. That's basically, I'll paraphrase it for you. You know how the world does it. They like authority. They like trumping you with authority. They like hanging authority over you. They, they like lording over people. Not that way with you guys. That's not going to be, that's not, the, that's not my way. That's not our way, Jesus says. It's the wrong way. Instead, for us, it's not going to be that way, verse 43. If you want to be great, yeah, we all want to be great. And that was a problem with the apostles all the time they were walking with him. They wanted to be great. And maybe today you have that desire. I don't know that it's a, not a noble desire. Jesus said, you want to be great. You go, Who wants to be great? I, I, I want to be great. I think that's a great desire to have. Oh, not a carnal fleshly greatness. I want this kind of greatness. Do you want to be great? Then be a servant. You want to be great? Be a servant. You have a desire to be great? Jesus says, be a servant. You want to be first? It's funny because sometimes when we have gatherings here, we'll have food downstairs, and the kids are like always want to be first in line. And we need to teach these kids, your kids, if you want to be first, serve your parents. Big. The big plate you did, give it to your mom. Oh, no, I can't do that. It's all my food. No, you want to teach the kids how to be great in God's kingdom. If they want to be first in line, get the plate for your mom or your dad. Get the plate for someone that's over there that can't get up as fast as you. You want to be great? Serve. And then he says later on, notice, in verse 44, whoever desires to be first be slave of all, verse 45, for, and here's the reason, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for many. So that's what we are. We're ministers. We're servants of Jesus. We're, with that definition, we're all in the ministry. And the word deacon, in its very simple form, has the idea of a table waiter. The picture of it was used in the original first century Greece in the Greek language to describe the, the person that would take care of you at the table. And they would be, and you know how uh, there are great, great waiters and waitresses that just seem to always be there when you need something, be there before you need something. And there are other waiters and waitresses that need to improve in that area. Or they're having a bad day or a tired day or a discouraged day. And it seems like you're looking around wondering, where, where did he go? Where did he go? What's going on? If you want to be a good servant of the Lord, there's a definition even deeper than that for this word. It also referred to people that were in the dust laboring, just doing the work. That's a servant. You want to know a true sheep, a true pastor? He or she are going to be servants. They're not going to require service from you. They're going to serve you and serve you and serve some more. Pastor Ed Taylor helping us tell the difference between a wolf in sheep's clothing and genuine sheep. And this is Abounding Grace, our midweek edition. 
If you'd like to hear this message again, visit our new website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can subscribe to the Abounding Grace podcast there, too, at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer an app, which is another great way to listen to Pastor Ed. Just search for Calvary Aurora. Each month, we pick out a book that we think can really help your walk with the Lord. And here in October, it's The Third Option by Miles McPherson. It's not hard to see that racial tension is high in America today. And maybe you're wondering, is there hope for a racially divided nation? I'm glad to say there is. In the third option, Pastor Miles shares what that is and encourages the reader to rise above the issues that divide us and be part of something bigger. You'll also be challenged to fully embrace God's goodness and power. To get a copy of The Third Option for a donation of $25 or more, just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That number again, 877-30-GRACE. And we also want to remind you that we are listener-supported. Abounding Grace airs all across the nation on stations like this one. But in order to do this, we look to our listeners to help cover the costs. You can now make a secure donation at our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Just click on Donate. Or if you'd rather call, here's the number, 877-30-GRACE. Join us next time as we study through 2 Corinthians with Pastor Ed Taylor and learn of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.